Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday Suckage here on Saturday, amazingly enough, the WB Club. And there's Mark Grody. He was it's, he's on this show, but he was not on the show last week, but he was on that show while Tom Thayer was on the show. He had his own show, and he asked Tom Thayer on this show to be on his own show later on. And did Tom, Tom Thayer join you on your show, Mark Grody, last week? He was not able to join me on my show, as it turned out. It, uh, yeah, it was just he was still recovering from having been put through the smut of being on this show. And uh, I, I was not going to make him endure the other half of suckage. So I, I thought it best for his safety, for his reputation that he take the afternoon off and that's what he did. I can tell you, I could tell you he he has recovered. He was forced into isolation for a little while, but he is okay. I actually saw him today in a virtual meeting. He looks good. He looks clean. I think the in-house nurse can leave now, but um, you know, we let's never put him through that again. So, so you and I have created our own kind of herd immunity with suckage that Tom as strong a big a virile and vital of a man as he is was not able to withstand is that what you're saying here that is correct yes okay. even even the the stalwarts of our sports world like Tom Thayer a, a top 100 bear of all time and an 85 bear and a starter on the 85 bears cannot withstand what 
you. I'm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna point the finger at you what you put him through because I took myself out of the equation that day and said, you know what? I'll do a solo show. Let Tom do the duo. I'm not gonna make anybody else do the solo dance. That's that's on me. So really, it's actually so it's on, on you me. to po- it's on you to point the finger at me. That's what you're doing here. Well, yes, it's, it is on me to point the finger <laughs> okay. at you. And I was smart enough to put myself in isolation last week and do a solo show. But Steve, it's yeah. good to be back with you today, and we're shortened well, today. What's up, Shorty? We got a Shorty today because Cubs baseball is starting earlier than expected. Bright sunshine in Chicago now, but it's supposed to rain tonight. So if you don't know by now, Cubs baseball will start at 115 on the score. At least the broadcast will start. And then 215 is when the Cubs and Brewers will play baseball today. They will indeed. So all of you holding tickets. No, no way. Um, oh, yeah. The And that's oh, the advantage. Yeah. But that's the advantage of... Not allowing fans in. You can make the game whenever you want. Just tell TV and they're hap- happy to do it. And it's an excellent, exactly. re- an excellent reason. Hey, it's going to rain tonight. We want to play the game. We need to play the game. There just aren't a whole lot of games being played. And boy, has this just become a guessing game of who's going to play, who's not. That Baseball is playing potentially a deadly game. But certainly a, a sick game of whack-a-mole with wherever it's going to play games. Because the Cardinals are playing their first game in about three weeks. And they're going to play two. They'll play on the south side. They drove up 41 men, 41 cars, driving up I-55 to the south side. And they're going to play a doubleheader against the White Sox. We think. I wouldn't jump to. I wouldn't believe that yet. They are scheduled to. After all the positive tests they had. And meanwhile, the Cardinals at the end of the week are supposed to play, they're in the middle of the week, supposed to play the Cubs with more doubleheaders, two doubleheaders in three days. Monday and Wednesday, and, yep. And they will be the home team in Wrigley Field for several of the, two of those games. And then they'll go to Cincinnati where the Reds aren't playing because a Reds player tested positive in the series against the Pirates. So today's Reds-Pirates game has been postponed, as has tomorrow. And this is what baseball, Major League Baseball, is dealing with. We saw it firsthand with Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger of the Indians. And you you know it doesn't take much. And and I just, I don't know, do you have a feeling where this goes? Does You would think that everything that's happened before, with the Cardinals going weeks and weeks and weeks without playing, Everybody would have wised up, but baseball players aren't that smart. They haven't wised up. You get the Zach Plesak idiot who just shows you how stupid players can be at whatever age, no matter what's happened. Marlins, the Cardinals, now the Reds. And and I don't know that everybody – at what point do they wise up, Mark? Do you see this happening? Well, what I don't know is – and it, it honestly it gives me a headache to even think about for their sake – is how this works for the St. Louis Cardinals. Can you imagine being the St. Louis Cardinals player on that team and basically all you have is doubleheaders for the rest of the season? That sucks. <laughs> Nobody wants that. These guys are not they're not trained. This this ain't the 1970s and 80s. These guys are not trained to play doubleheaders. And it's just going to be doubleheader fest. And you know somewhere along the line, the Cardinals will probably get another game or two banged, whether it's for rain or for yep. COVID-19 or the opposition having, like, it's, 
it's not going to stop. I, I just I can't do the math in my head. I don't see how the Cardinals are part of the Major League Baseball equation this year. And then how do we, as observers, whether you're a fan, whether you are a reporter, a talk show, how do we compartmentalize that in terms of true competition? It completely waters it down. It dumbs it down. Do we just look straight ahead and, and don't look back and say to hell with it? And like, like I'm talking about from a Cubs standpoint because everything is coming up Cubs. That is terrific. They have played mm-hmm. legitimately good baseball this year, but the Cardinals are damn they're out of the equation. I'm sorry. There's no way they're going to make an imprint in the division. As you mentioned, Cincinnati now the latest, and it's just one player apparently. So hopefully it's just a one game bang for them, but who knows? It's everything has come up Cubs this year. They're the team that has benefited. The Cubs are 13 and 4. Reds and those Brewers are the next closest teams at five and a half back. And there is no team in the National League Central that has a record over 500. And then you could even go, because of the way the schedule is this year, you could even look in the American League Central right now. Minnesota's 12-7. and seven. Yeah, they're good. But Cleveland at 11-9, and nine, and without two starting pitchers right now, and who knows how that's imploding their clubhouse, because they're talking, I mean, they're angry. They are angry. There's no, you're not telling me Detroit's going to stay over 500 this year. We have, still have no idea about the White Sox and we do know that the Royals suck. So it it has there there are ways to look at this as in it's coming up all cubs, but I guess as a fan and a human being, how could you not look at it and say, is this really fair? Is this legitimate? What's going on? So that's the way I look at it. The the thing that tells me it's fair is the Cubs have been have have by every, by every indication been rigorous in their discipline. They follow the rules. They stayed inside. They isolated within the realm of Major League Baseball rules. The Cardinals did not, for one. The Marlins did not. And then baseball resorts that Mike Schultz today, Cardinals manager, resorted to the standard ultimate loser stuff of of righteous indignation about criticism that his players, his team was taking. Paul Sullivan put a piece online at chicagotribune.com. And Schultz says, I can't help but know and peripherally find out that some things have been said about our group and the lack of responsibility or cavalier approach to doing things. I can honestly tell you we didn't handle everything potentially as perfect as we could have. There's always going to be some hole somewhere with an invisible virus that has shut down the world. What I can tell you with confidence is it would be very irresponsible and a misstep to say this group went out and did anything away from the field or at the field that was egregious. Well, okay, that's clearly missing the point. Something happened, and if you've been doing any reading, if you have anybody in your organization with a brain, if you have a doctor, it doesn't take anything egregious. It simply takes one breath of a mistake. And then Schultz says this, which kind of indicts his own damn self. Did some guys make mistakes? Did it get into our clubhouse by some outside person in an asymptomatic fashion and spread like wildfire? Absolutely it did. Okay, well, what kind of mistakes? Why was somebody outside allowed in? And maybe some people would consider those mistakes egregious. Egregious is in the eye of the beholder. And then finally, Schultz comes full circle about showing what a hypocrite he is. I would take exception to suggestions in any way, shape, or form. They were irresponsible on any level, meaning as players. I can't speak for the entire group, but I can speak for a good portion of them. Why can't you speak for the entire group? 
there, there you go. You just saw the hole in it, and he's acting righteously indignant, the first sign of a loser. And we know players lie. We know he's not getting the truth. And you can see Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger for details. This is, it's, it's, it's infinitely fair for the Cubs to play whatever they can play, win whatever they can win, because they followed the rules, apparently. They, they can't be this lucky this long. They followed the rules. The Cardinals did not. So they get to do what they get to do, and they get to be in first place. And they have four losses. The Cardinals have played five games. Good luck catching up. That's what I think. They have uh, the Cubs have followed the rules, and they have had excellent starting pitching. That is that is it right there. Kyle Hendricks has been excellent. You Darvish for the first time for the first time in in that four two win over the Brewers the other night where he pitches six and a third innings of no hit ball. That was a, like okay, okay. I trust this. I trust what I'm seeing because even before that game, I was still like, I was still in Darvish mode of, okay, what might happen this game? Where might he have an 0-2 uh-huh. count, go 3-2 and walk a guy? You know? like or go over the I, fence. I, right. I mean, because it, it just, it happened for a year and a half. And I know he was really good in his final 10 starts last year. He was, especially his last five. If you go back and look at the game logs, he was excellent. But it, it was, I was in show me mode. Show me, show me, show me, and then show me again. That's a Cure song, by the way. So they did. Uh, he did. And this was the clincher for me. That was the magic number somehow for me. When he did what he did the other night, 11 strikeouts to two walks, that was the one where I'm like, all right, I think, I think that that's Texas Rangers, you Darvish, because he's not screwing around as much. Like I said, that... And we, I talked to Ryan Dempster yesterday on the air. He made an awesome point about the, the Cubs pitching staff as a collection. And that was something that they were guilty of, the Cubs. And I think that Darvish was the most symbolic of this, is when you get the 0-2 count, the 1-2 count, oftentimes, as pitchers will do, they'll throw you garbage. They'll throw you high heat. They'll throw the ball in the dirt, try to make you chase. But the Cubs pitching staff as a whole was playing the chase game way too much to the point where you get the 3-2 count and then maybe get the guy out, and but you have extra pitches, and then maybe give up a hit or a walk. So the, they have finally they have started to attack, and specifically you Darvish, who has attack stuff in his repertoire. So I'm down with Darvish. Are you are you there with, with Darvish? I still hold my breath a little bit, I but yeah. I'm, I'm more looking at the second half of last year and then looking at what he's doing, I just, the the troubled by choices with him is like, which of my 75 pitches am I going to throw now? And, <laughs> right. and amazing that he just, you throw the strike. You know what? Become a two-pitch pitcher. Strike one and strike two, and then eventually you get strike three. That's what I'm in favor of. But I was really, um, I, what you've seen with the way they start, and frankly, what I've seen of Rowan Wick, I, I know Craig Kimbrell look really good. Rowan Wick does not seem to have a pulse. He seems to have all the other stuff you need to be a closer. And maybe it's maybe there's a sense of too young to, to know what kind of trouble he could get into. Is there, I'm just here. I'm going to get you out. This is what I do. And I love that. And I'm not I, – I trust David Ross. The way David Ross handled Craig, Craig Kimbrell, of like, okay, this is not happening. We need to win today's game. And, and managing like a manager of I'm not, 
I'm not here for your ego. I have to win tonight's game tonight. Tomorrow might be canceled because of the virus or it might rain or whatever it is. I need to win tonight's game tonight. And his players believe it. His players line up right behind him. That is just a phenomenal thing. And that's going through that that team, that the, the way they believe. And they've, they've made the pack the last dance kind of mentality themselves that um, Disco Tony Rizzo talked about it in the first spring training. He said, we realize this could be our last dance. And he said it again about himself. He might be traded. There seems to be such a, um, such a synergy of all of the right things, starting with the discipline. Everybody's healthy enough to get out there and perform very well. And, and Javier Baez can strike out four times and make a 150-foot throw to first base to get somebody. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that oh, was an amazing man. film. Man. Yeah, it was good. Right. And I, I, I really was hoping for something better during the Josh Hader versus the Javi Baez um, at-bat. There was one amazing swing and miss that Baez had in that at-bat, but uh, it was a win for, for Hader. And per, by the way, per David Ross and what you were talking about with him and dealing with with guys the way you're supposed to deal with guys in the bullpen. I was surprised that he put Craig Kimbrell in there last night, and I realized it wasn't a one-run lead. It was a one-run deficit, but it was still a one-run game, and I was nervous. I was like, can he get through three batters? <laughs> can, can you get through three batters? Because the three-batter rule really comes into play now when you're talking about nervous relievers, guys about whom one is nervous when they go out. Can you get? Can you sweat through three batters? But Kimbrell did have swing and miss stuff on the fastball last night and, and managed to you let a guy in base. You know, the gamble line drive scared me, but there there was some promise in, in Kimbrell's attitude last night and just going at guys as opposed to, you know, he was more fastball than curveball last night. And he was getting swings. He was getting he, he yes, had, swing he and had miss six, stuff. Yep. Six swings and misses by all of there the people go. counting when he only had five all year to that point. He had six and wow. In that one. I did not know so, that. That is yes, that is amazing. That's, yeah, I can. I re, I'm not a nerd. I can read nerds, and that's what I I've learned from our various guests on here. Whether it was um, Evan Altman or um, Russell Dorsey or Sahadev Sharma, all that kind of stuff. So. So that's the, the Cubs be doing that. The Cardinals be here with their righteously indignant stupidity. 41 men, 41 cars, and they're all pulling into the south side. And by the way, you know what? Riders from both sides of town, south side and St. Louis, have been banned from appearing, at, from going to a stadium. Not that there's much difference. You're on Zoom anyways, but you see more at the stadium. Because Paul Sullivan was in Missouri previously, and the White Sox noticed that and said, sorry, Lori Lightfoot has a 14-day ban for you. You stay away. So he can't get into new, oh my God. new guaranteed Comiskey Field. And because Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is from Missouri, and he's up here following the Cardinal Caravan, he cannot get into the stadium because, again, Lori Lightfoot said, Nuh-uh, no, you, you're, you're banned. And we have bridges that have been been moved uh, pulled up to prove it. So there you go. There's, there's well, a honestly, and, yeah. the the honestly the access that the reporters have sitting in I that know. press box is exactly the same as the access I have sitting on my couch, and I, and I mean that. 
Uh, except for maybe the delay on TV, seriously, because they do not get to go in the clubhouse, and then they send the the teams, Cubs and Sox, send a Zoom link to every, even reporters and hosts like me sitting on my couch. I get the same link they get, so if I want to tap into the press conference, I can too. So there is very little advantage. Derek Gould will be just fine in his fancy hotel room, as I'm sure Paul Sullivan will be just as happy sitting at home in his uh, his baseball abode watching the Cubs and Cardinals and, and right. writing like he does. Sully can, Sully can tick off any team from any place, and a couch is as good as any. It just requires less work to, to, to get there to put blood exactly. in somebody's. Putting blood in somebody's urine is a, is a good life's goal, and Sully's accomplished that, and there are, he can get references from teams around the city. <laughs> so he's Mark Brody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. The We have various notes and things and that information we need to give to you. One is we're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios that are in each of our apartments, and we're brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Our tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Now, here's the thing about that. The phone number, the number to dial, the number to punch in, the number to say to your your phone is 312-644-6767. And then you can text us, and you can text us like the 618 did. What does Tom Tunney think about the Cubs game being moved up today? This is I think they should just cancel the whole thing. It's just stupid. I see you. See? And we do. And... Should you, that number, 312-644-6767, is also the phone number to reach the show that nobody uses. But you could dial it, and if you do, our producer today, Julio Rousseau, or Rousseau, there you go, okay. Julio will give us a breaking news, breaking phone caller update, if we have a phone caller, and... We will get you on the air, and then we'll talk, because that's what I've heard sports talk radio hosts do. Our guest today at 11:40, Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, will be here to have a wonderful laugh-a-minute look at the Jim Boylan embarrassment that the Bulls stood right behind and backed, and and it's just the clown show that that ends all clown shows since Terry Bevington, I think. Although we could argue Mike Quaddy. We'll see. And then at noon, Nancy Armour will be here, and we will talk to the USA Today columnist about various things, but she caught our eye this week when she mentioned her name, her suggestion, her choice for nickname for the St. Louis expansion soccer team was. Mark, what do you think? It was? Trash pandas. Yes, I wanted to it's let you say. A woman after our own heart, and she texted, she tweeted out that she would be wearing her trash pandas T-shirt for the interview, and so, and the good news is you don't, it's radio, you don't need to actually wear that T-shirt. You might, she might not even have it, but she's a fashionista, and that's what started this whole thing, the Rocket City trash pandas. And of all days to not, and God bless Julio Rosseo. Julio, we are happy to have you. But of all days to not have Adam Stadzinski, the original, the original trash panda, (laughs) he is is not here today. But, you know, with Julio here, 
we get WB type music because I always know when Julio's producing because you get a little Grateful Dead, you might hear some fish. I don't know if he goes string cheese incident, but you get you get those bands. Grody, for uh, you, we'll have a slice of string cheese today. My, are you a string cheese guy or no? Did I? I, did I, yeah, I just... I'm a string cheese guy. I am. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that, Julio. Thank you. Just make sure you uh, put an extra on the uh, on the bong for me after the show. <laughs> Steve, the well, I, I'm just I'm marveling over our texters, our two two four texters, who are so happy to have you back, and understandably so. So you have your choice. One wants to know what Lou Pinella would think of all this COVID suckage, and or what does Lou Pinella think about last night's Cubs game? It's it, 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 it's a virus. If you have a virus, you you, you got to isolate. It, it, and that's all you need to know. It's a co- Peter. What is it? COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. I like COVID nineteen. It, it, it's a, you just got to be careful. You put you you think I'm stupid. You put your mask on, and and that, and that's all you need to know. The, and, and, and with your closer, you put you put Kimbrel out there, and, and you and you let him go, and that's all you need to know. Uh, okay, that's all we need to know. But it reminds me that what I'm looking this up because Lou always reminds me of Matt Merton, and I would have sworn his yeah Merton that he always wore uniform number 19. Did he wear 19? It doesn't sound familiar. I don't picture no. Matt Burton wearing 19. 19. I don't. Uh... Yes, he did. He was wore he? 19 okay, for the fine. 2005. So, so there you go. There's all. We're bringing it full circle, folks. Saturday Suckage does it all for you. Rosa. So you don't have to. Rosa, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, we also have this programming note. Bulls' new hoops honcho, Arturus Karnishevis. He did not do any one-on-one interviews yesterday after his Zoomer announcing the whacking of Jim Boylan. His first Chicago radio interview will be Monday on this very radio station, 670 The Score, at 8.30 with Molly and Haw. And this score programming note, after Hawks-Vegas game, after they decide game three tonight, starts puck drop at 7. After this, after game three of their series, Grobber will host a special 670 post-game show tonight so, tonight that's oh what my I, god that's what spilkis sent me spilkis that said is he's fantastic grobber post-game live on the hawks and you know there's something happened in hockey today let's can we talk about the blackhawks they are in the playoffs i know yes. we'll get to the bulls later on and and there's two things two things that that came up one one with the Hawks, both with goaltenders, really, and one with the Hawks and one with the Boston Bruins that um, we need to, I would like to discuss with you. And it's it's sort of real life in action, um, what, what you do as a, what we do watching a game and also what we do in what what fans do is a game what you do is humans. So And we'll I would like to know we'll... who is responsible for covering Riley Smith. That is all. Well, nobody, obviously. Exactly. That's Jeremy Colleton's secret. He has a secret, <laughs> a, a double secret probation defensive system that nobody understands when it matters. Don't worry so about the Smith go. kid. The Smith kid, yeah, don't worry. Right. Just, he's just lighting us up. He's doing to us what Connor McDavid did, only there's like <laughs> infinitely more depth. 
And I'm, uh. I think this is going to be the Golden Knights in three, and the series will be over. Okay. <laughs> He's Grody. I'm Rosenblum. We suck so you don't have to, but the Hawks are, are proving too great of an obstacle otherwise. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. Saturday suckage, we suck so you don't have to. And boy, do we have news about our whole, we built this, this whole show around um, suckage, trash pandas, and moms. And we'll get to the moms part. That was such a wonderful discovery last week when Tom Thayer was in for Grody. Tonight, today though, right now, hockey, the, the Hawks play game three tonight against the Knights. And they are playing against the goalie they traded because they were out of the playoffs, the Hawks were, to a team that has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And now the team's standing between the Knights and winning the Stanley Cup. The first team is the Hawks. And Robin Leonard gets traded, so the Hawks should know everything about him. And you saw early on the scouting report. I mean, it was like 16 seconds of the game. Jonathan Taves took a bad shot. Not a bad shot, but it was mediocre. It wasn't standard Taves. It wasn't going for the perfect kill shot, which told me their scouting report on Robin Leonard, based on having him all season, is he's going to give up rebounds. Keep the shots low. Keep him on the ice. He doesn't have rebound control, you're going to get it kicked out, shoot and go to the net, shoot and crash the net, which is a pretty basic thing. And the Hawks were doing that for a while. And Robin Leonard was giving up rebounds. And the Hawks stopped doing that. I don't know why. And and they have guys that, here's what happens. They constantly, they have such talented players. They all want to make the perfect play. They want to look like the 85 Oilers, tic-tac-toe. And then scores of goals going across the slot, making those passes. But that's the, the thing that that's what they're looking to do against Robin Leonard. Can they do it? And, and Mark, what, you're, what the Hawks are, are being asked to do is a lot of talented players are being asked to just shoot. They, mm-hmm. But not, it doesn't have to be a perfect shot. It just has to get on net, and Leonard's going to give it back to you, and he'll be out of position. Or the defense will have to turn around and figure out where it is. You're at an advantage if you're the Hawks. The Hawks don't seem capable of doing that on a regular basis. Well, especially since they had the... You know, only 20 shots on goal in, in game one. And I think that they were up to 18 by the end of two periods in game two. So it does get down to the very rudimentary idea of shoot the damn puck, which they just hadn't been doing in that first game. The best analysis in one sentence that I heard about this Vegas team came from our guy, Con, Steve Conroy, um, <laughs> watching him on NBC Sports Chicago. Um, he said the following. He said, Vegas is machine-like. They slowly but surely eat away at you. I thought that was perfect, and I was naive enough to think going into that game, oh, cool, Max Pacioretty's not playing. Blackhawks got a real chance, even though Pacioretty was injured for the round-robin series where Vegas was scoring left and right as well. I'm like, Pacioretty's out, and the Blackhawks are going to be motivated, and it's like, that's such a good analogy. They are. They are machine-like. It do, it's not fancy necessarily, but it is. They are just kind of. They just kind of have their their hand around your neck, and you're just moving your feet, kicking, trying to get out of it the whole time. All you need to know is this: their fourth line, Vegas's fourth line, has had as biggest impact on the series as Patrick Kane's line. Period. There you go. Machine-like. That's it. And that's how they are. They just keep turning over. 
they are as deep in a different way. They're as deep as the 2010 Blackhawks. They keep like that. Yes. Like Conroy said, they keep coming at you, keep coming at you. They're throwing talent over the boards, over the boards, over the boards, and their fourth line has had a decided effect on the game. And they created the overtime goal. Riley Smith got set up by that fourth line. By they, they, that fourth line wore out the Blackhawks. Defense couldn't get off the ice, and there's Riley Smith. And and see you later. We'll see you in game three, and game four won't matter. So also, so there's the Robin Leonard thing. Here's what mm-hmm. happened today. The Boston Bruins tied 1-1 in their series with the the Hurricanes. Were scheduled to face off uh, when this show started, so about one hockey period ago, without their goalie. Tuka Rask opted out. He left the series. He left the Bruins. He left the team. What led up to this, previous to this, was Tuka Rask saying after the last game, to be honest with you, it doesn't really feel like playoff hockey out there with no fans. It's like playing an exhibition game. Considering I had four months off, I'm not in prime shape. I'm just trying to have fun and play the game. I'm not stressing too much about the results. It's August. I haven't played hockey in forever. I'll just go out there, have fun, and see what happens. So you would have a hard time rooting for that guy. And that that was earlier this week to, when they, after they lost game two, after game two's result. And he's just being... And then he opts out today, and he made a decision... And, and other people have to tell this story. So if you if you heard that up until today, Mark, wouldn't you wonder, like, how could I root for this guy? If Corey Crawford did this, could I really? What would I think about Crawford? Right? Of course. Of course. Okay. I mean, you take everything into consideration in the times we live in COVID-19 and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, of course. No, of yeah. course. Of course. Okay. Yes. So today, when he opts out, it's left for other people to tell the story. He has a newborn at home. He has two young kids. This is about be feeling that but the idea of being away from your family and the actuality, the reality of being away from your family and the reality of being away from your family at a time, as you said, COVID-19, mm. he just said, that's it. And he probably figured, I'm not helping my team if my head's not in the game and my head's not in the game and my heart is at home and I'm worried about my family. And now it's a whole different thing, I think. I just can't. I can't fault somebody. He may have he may have made some comments that I thought, I can't root for this guy. And I'm a Bruins fan, longtime Bruin fan, going back to Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, and Derek Sanderson. But you you a man with a newborn at home, I can't imagine in these times. And two young kids, I just can't imagine being away. You want to be there, even though you can't do anything, as a parent, you feel you have to be there to protect them, whatever like you're going to throw a big shield around them, even though you know you can't. You think you can, and you, they think they'll be better off with Daddy home. I truly believe that, and I, I, I cut them all the slack in the world. Yeah, you can't not excuse that. I mean, you'd be inhuman at this point to say that. I'm so, yeah, sure no, that, it's, um, that, that makes a lot more sense. I wish he would have just started with that. Yes, I do too. Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start, and... Um, you can never get a. We're going to start the Jim Boylan's fired parade, and we're going to start with Ricky O'Donnell, and we're going to start with a man who needed three tweets, not one, not two, but three tweets to be able to get out all of the Boylan's stupidity that the Bulls stood behind. Oh I can't God. wait to this. So this is Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
Mully and Hall, Chicago's Sports Morning Show. Baseball insider Peter Gammons. The Chicago Cubs, are they one of the elite teams? Well, I think they are elite. The Cubs have really played hard. I give David Ross a lot of credit for that. I think the urgency is built up with, gee, you know, will they break this team up? And I think a lot of guys want to stay in Chicago, like most of us would. Mully and Hall, mornings 5 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's Sports Station. Again, I took uh, my time for a reason. You know, uh, it was a process, and I took, you know, to make that decision over the last few uh, few months uh, since I was hired in April. I had no timeline. This was the right uh, time to make this change, and that's what I did. It's nice to see you all. We're going to go have a Chick-fil-A. As Bulls new hoops on show, Arturis Karnasovas. And man, does he really ever sound like Dr. Charles Nichols from The Fugitive? (laughs) Richard is not well. I mean, he really, like, we got to do a matchup at some point in time during this show. He really, Uh, yes. uh, That was was his Zoomer announcing the wacky of Jim Boylan. He did not do any one-on-ones. His first radio interview will be... It, at least in Chicago, his first Chicago radio interview will be Monday at 8.30 on this very station, 6.70 the score. It will be with Mike Mulligan and David Haw. So oh. set your clock, set your alarm. And then at the end of that, you heard um, Jim Boylan, the embarrassment visited upon Chicago, the, the, the Reinsdorfian embarrassment comparable to their embarrassment with Terry Bevington. We, we, we have this dumb guy in charge, and... He's embarrassing us, and we're going to stand behind it. We're going to double down on it. They got one in each sport. And to talk about that, <laughs> joining us now on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is Ricky O'Donnell. Ricky, welcome back, and belated congratulations on Western Illinois' championship that you engineered. Thanks. I appreciate that. It was a lot of hard work, so I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, you, you should be, and and I I think people should know that you did this in a video game over, I don't know, eight years, whatever you did it, and you had Western Illinois beat um, Michael Jordan's Bulls, and this was the part of the last dance that they didn't show. They just stopped at six, and then Western Illinois ended the dream for the Bulls. So congratulations on that. I think that's <laughs> wonderful. Thank you very and much. Yesterday, watching your Twitter was just hysterical. Because you, you, when, when they fired Boylan, everybody's reaction was, okay, let's do the stupid stuff. So the punch clock came first. And, and for the audience here, um, Ricky O'Donnell at uh, Ricky SBN from, from SB Nation. Talk about the punch, punch clock. He tweets it out. A team mutiny on his, early in his job. Coins the phrase double lose. Compares Luke Cornett to Robert Ory. Drew up ATOs for Adam Makoka while down 20. He said, okay, this is great. This is this is a highlight. This is everybody just firing off. These are the fireworks. But Mark, Ricky O'Donnell was not done. There was a second tweet and a third one. And Ricky, I just, we, we needed to have you on to just sort of review the bidding on what kind of clown car this was with Jim Boiling getting out. And what does that mean now? Just by his not being there, not even knowing who the new coach is going to be. 
Yeah, it's definitely a huge relief. I think that like this was the easiest first test possible for Arturis Karnaschovas. All you had to do was fire someone who is objectively the worst head coach in the NBA. The fact that it was taking so long and there was all this reporting around the fact that perhaps because of the pandemic, because of the financial losses related to it, the Bulls might stick with Jim Boylan, and that would have been totally unacceptable. There was no way you could make a merit-based argument that Jim Boylan deserved to keep his job. He did nothing but embarrass the franchise and, quite frankly, embarrass the city during his two seasons as head coach. So I felt very relieved that Karnaschovas finally did the right thing, fired Jim Boylan. I totally agree that it doesn't really matter who the new head coach is because we can say without a doubt that he's going to be better than Boylan. Uh, and now I think the Bulls can finally turn the page and you know start to rebuild this roster from the ground up. And, yeah, when you talk about turning that page now, now it is for the players. Be careful what you wish for because now we zoom in on the players. And I don't know how you feel, Ricky, but I feel like anything and everything can and will happen for this Bulls team. I think there's going to be some dramatic things that ultimately happen with this roster. Yeah, I think if you fast forward two years from now, there's a very good chance that, like, you know, their core four pieces, many of those guys or all of those guys aren't still around. I do think given the nature of this offseason where the Bulls don't have a ton of salary cap flexibility after Otto Porter picks up his player option, which is like $25 million, uh, and with the fact that Karnaschovas is like going to be getting fresh evaluations on all these guys with his own eyes, I wouldn't expect an explosive offseason for the Bulls right away. I think you know the first big thing is going to be the lottery uh, that's coming up next week, and hopefully the Bulls can finally get some lottery luck this time around because you know that's handicapped the rebuild just as much as anything else. Uh, but I think, you know, down the line, you're going to see the roster be totally made over. My expectations for this upcoming season, though, is that I think it'll probably be a little bit of a slow burn. Just so Karnaschovas can evaluate everyone with his own eyes. Unless there's, unless there's players or GMs around the league that are interested in his players. Because to me, I think that he'd be willing to deal just about anybody right now, Ricky. Oh, for sure. If the price is right, no doubt. I mean, obviously, we've heard rumors that the Nets and the Knicks are interested in Zach Levine. Hey, if the Knicks want to offer their first-round pick, that's a top-five pick for Zach Levine. I would do that, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think what the Bulls' sort of core has shown up to this point is that it's just not good enough. I think Levine's a, right. he's a talented player, there's no doubt, but uh, casting him in this leading man role where he's your offensive initiator, he's the guy running the pick-and-rolls, running the isolations with the ball in his hands every time down the court, he's just not a good enough decision-maker in that role. I do think that he could be better you know, next to a better offensive initiator. He's in more of an off-ball role as a shooter and slasher. Uh, but you, know, you could go down the line, and pretty much every core piece on the Bulls has regressed under Jim Boylan over the last couple of years. Uh, to me, the Bulls are starting with a blank slate now. That's a good thing because I think the last rebuild post-Jimmy Butler trade was ultimately doomed, and uh, that's why Karnaschovas was brought in. They, he was brought in because under John Paxson and Gar Foreman and Jim Boylan, the Bulls were a complete joke. They weren't good enough, an absolute embarrassment to everyone invested in the franchise. So uh, now they need to start to rebuild from the ground up again. Ricky O'Donnell covers the NBA for SB Nation. Um, Ricky, one, one of the comparisons made with um, – the new Bulls hoops honcho is with Theo Epstein and getting rid of the manager and, and getting rid of the coach would seem like the first obvious moves they've been done. But one of the other things was comparison to how will this Cubs, how will the Cubs team resemble the Red Sox team? So if Karnaschovas doesn't have the credentials, the championship doesn't have the rings that Epstein did, he at least has a profile. Who, Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., who plays like the Nuggets? We believe that that's the way uh, Karnaschovas wants to build a team. 
what would their likelihood be? Who plays like those guys and likely to stick around or somebody they might want to deal? Yeah, well, first of all, the Nuggets have one of the 10 best players in the league in Nikola Jokic, who's an absolutely incredible player and totally unique. There's no one who's that slow but that skilled who dominates looking like basically a dad playing against kids on a playground the way Jokic does. So I think if you're looking at Karnaschovas from the outside in, uh, you think, you know, probably a lot of his experience comes in international scouting. And the NBA has had, you know, so much talent internationally enter the league in the last few years. There's going to be guys in the next few draft classes who are standouts from uh, around the world. So I think that's the first thing I would look at that, uh, you know, if you're going to, the main thing the Bulls need to do is just add best player available, all the talent they can. Uh, that's their most important need in terms of guys who are currently on the roster. Like I do think Zach Levine resembles Jamal Murray quite a bit. Now the Nuggets are, they're good. They're a team that can reach the second round of the Western conference, I think. But uh, part of the reason they're a little bit handicapped is because I think Murray, you know, isn't at that upper echelon of player where he can really be your co-star on a championship level team. So Karnaschovas is going to have to ask himself the same thing with Zach Levine, even though their skill sets are pretty similar in my opinion. Uh, but to me, I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of change on this roster over the next couple of years. And uh, it starts with the lottery and, you know, hopefully Karnaschovas' experience scouting internationally will benefit the Bulls because uh, the last few years have shown us that, you know, most of the best talent in the world comes from outside of the United States at this point. Ricky, who's your guy? Who do you want to see be the next head coach of the Bulls? Yeah, I don't have a super strong opinion on this yet, but the one guy I'm intrigued by is Darvin Ham, who has been the Milwaukee Bucks lead assistant. He was a pretty good player in the NBA in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, I just think that Darvin Ham, if the Bulls are going to hire a first-time head coach, getting someone from the Bucks system would be a great start. Obviously, the Bucks really started to take off after they hired Mike Budenholzer. Uh, I think, you know, you look at their offensive and defensive efficiency, the Bucks have been towards the top of the league over the last couple of years. Obviously, having the best player alive in Giannis and Dedekumpo certainly helps. Uh, but if the Bulls are going to go with a first-time head coach, over someone like Brett Brown or Mike D'Antoni, a veteran coach like that. I would like Darvin Ham. I think he uh, he's earned a shot to be a head coach, and I think he checks a lot of the boxes that the Bulls should be looking for. Or maybe he can bring his brother Giannis Ham. That would be very good, too. So we'll see how that works out. Ricky, thanks for your time. We look forward to talking to you again, and, and you begin the, the uh, Western Illinois dynasty. We'll look forward to keeping track of that as well. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation. And he writes about the hoops, uh, the hoops for the, uh, the NBA for SB Nation. We'll take a break. When we come back, um, we, have a, we have another Trash Panda fan in the house, and we'll get to that. And we'll get to talking to a national columnist about sports and stuff. But Trash Pandas always, always win our hearts. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.